ברוכים הבאים ל-The Sweep. Hello, 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 and welcome to The Sweep Podcast, and today, Meta World Peace. סתיו, בבקשה. יש לנו היום פרק מיוחד בשבילכם, לא כל פעם יוצא לנו לראיין אנשים כל כך מוכרחים בליגה, אז בשביל זה אני אעבור לאנגלית. Hello, Meta World Peace. Absolutely, thank you. Thanks for having me. How you, how's everybody doing? Great. We're doing great. We feel uh, very happy that you came to join us, and we're going to have uh, uh, some fun with you. And uh, I want to start with uh, uh, the topic du jour. So there's the FIBA World Champions uh, um, coming on now, and there was a kind of discussion that uh, Runner and all Isles started about, is the NBA champion a world champion or not a world champion? Do you have any interest in that discussion? Well, um, I mean, I, we could definitely talk about it. I think um, before it was definitely a world champion because basketball kind of started in Canada. Oh. <laughs> it's early. It's really early. Yeah, it's early. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah basketball started in Canada and then, you know, kind of went to the America. And I think that's where it was known – And that's where it got its publicity. So I think at one point in time, he was the uh, world champs. Um, you, you can see in the, even in the Olympics um, in terms of how the American teams used to do. But, but now basketball is a little bit more global. So I think now you can change it. That's better for the NBA because then the NBA can go global. And now the NBA can just have a global league instead of just, you know, instead of just a, a league here in America. And you can see all these players from around the world playing basketball now. So, I mean, it's up for debate. But um, I think um, it, it's very similar to, uh, you know, kind of other sports that start in other countries. And now America is adapting. America is taking up soccer now, you see. That's happening big. Right. So it's, it's, it's nice hard to say. You, you said something about it. Are you, are you caught in the Messi mania? So what? We are in, a, in all around Europe, globally, we love uh, what you call soccer. Do, oh, yeah. Are you caught up in the Messi mania? Um, I see what's happening, but I don't really know um, enough. But I definitely saw he's in Miami. I think he played a game. Um, he obviously is uh, – everybody's just it's really excited about him, yeah. you know, kind of being – He's crushing the, the league. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's playing well? He's playing very well. <laughs> he's like the best inter-Miami player ever in like 10 games or so. Yeah. like wow that's, yeah <laughs> that's incredible okay so let, let's get into uh, the business um you started your career as a draft pick for the Chicago Bulls and I heard the story I don't know if it's true or not I hope you can confirm it or tell what's right or what's wrong that's after your rookie se- season you worked as um, a salesperson at Circuit City for the discounts yeah I did I went to Circuit City and um I thought it was really cool i was I used to go there with my friend to buy like dVds and we was going there every day and it was kind of expensive on a rookie contract so um my friend got a job there and I said man I said I should get a job here and then i got a, I kind of applied for the job I worked for like one day <laughs> and pretty much it you know, it only one day but the sales manager was incredible for to give me the opportunity to work there I had a good time That, that's really cool so how was the transition uh, between playing uh, college athletics and joining the NBA um the game was a little bit more advanced 
you know, everybody was faster. Everybody game was better. You know, uh, it was, um, it was a little tough. You know, my, my body wasn't ready, even though physically I was ready, but I wasn't flexible. I wasn't mobile. You know, I would get little back aches. And then as I got older, I started to take care of my body better, stretch out more and do different things like that. But it was definitely, um, it wasn't an easy transition. The first three years was hard. And then my fourth year got a little easier. Fifth year got a little easier. From my fourth year to my 10th year was like really solid. And then after that, you know, I kind of became a role player. Uh, okay, you jumped a little bit, but I wanted to ask you, um, when you, you saw the, you saw the fourth or fifth year, but when do you understand you are, you are a, a, a player that you can make a true impact in the league? Well, I knew it from day one because my defense is uh, – I came into the league first-team all-defense. I probably should have been first-team all-defense every year, but but I knew, like, on defense I can make an impact because um, I was I was just stopping people. But it, a lot of games people didn't see because we was – we only won 13 games. So I really couldn't – I couldn't score enough to make an impact on the game. But I knew right away that I'll be able to lock people up and – And then that, that should be okay. And, I mean, that's kind of what happened in my career. You know, it was like a lot of defense and, you know, it was a, a, some, some winning games and different things. Um, could have been a little bit better, but it was If good. you want to give an advice to a young player today, you would say, tell them to be focused on defense more or on offense? Well, I mean, you, you want to be focused on both. Right. Right. You want to practice. You, want to, um, you definitely want to perfect something. Right, so you definitely want to have something that, whether you're a shooter, whether you're a passer. Right. And then you prioritize your game. But it, right, so it seems like can, the, the big shooters, the really talented shooters, you have so many of those. And you hear a lot more about the defenders. Like, who's the great defender? It's like, pop up, like, you immediately know him. So, yeah. Right. I, I, of course, offense is, is great, but I think defense is really something. Yeah, defense is definitely – you definitely want to be able to play defense. And, I mean, in today's game, the only problem is you don't really have to play defense. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's, a, it's an open game, but I do believe that – I do believe that there's always room for a good defender. Do you think that the defense in the league the, the last season was easier than what it was when you were playing? Like defense, the offense are better or defenders are worse nowadays? Because, you know, the scoring is up. It's, it's a different type of game, you know, because it's, it's a fast-paced game, right? And so it's, it's more of a team defensive game. It's more of a thing where get it out the net and score. Um, but I feel like the last year or two, defense is better. I feel like, you know, in, in between that, defense was going down from, from 2010 or 2013. You know, I feel like defense wasn't being played as much. But I feel like now it's like coming back a little bit. And there is nowadays any player that reminds you of yourself? Like when you see Jimmy Butler or Dylan Brooks or anyone else, you see that he plays defense as hard as I used to play defense? The same intensity? Um, I mean, Ka- Kawhi was really interesting because Kawhi was just like really good on defense, really good on offense. So that was like somebody I, I, I kind of modeled my game after him. Um, in a reverse engineering kind of way because obviously I came into the league earlier than him. Um, but I felt like if I had a sustainable career, it would have been something like Kawhi. Jimmy Butler is pretty interesting. 
you know, I, I don't know if I could have played as well as Jimmy. J- Jimmy's just Jimmy's really, really interesting. I didn't know he was that good. <laughs> Let, let's do a bit of fast forward because um, you played the uh, famous Malice in the Palace incident in Indiana. But I think, and uh, I, I want you to share your thought, that, that that team was really, really good. And you are prime. You were specifically prime to make uh, maybe an, even an uh, MVP push if this season uh, were went along as, as planned. Yeah, definitely. That was a great season. I still remember that season. Obviously, it was cut short, but I definitely, you know, could say at least one point in time, I could have been an MVP at the NBA. And for me, that's a big, that's a big um, thing to say, even though I don't really have the award. So, but I, you know, the year before that, I almost got MVP. I finished number six and I came back way better. So, I mean, at one point in time, I think I, I was the best in the league at one point in time, maybe a short period of time. But I was probably the best in the league, like, you know, hands hands down, probably. Probably not hands down, probably one of the best. Do you regret some some action of the of what happened in this season? No, not really. It was a great season. I played really well, you know, and I look at some of the highlights from those first seven games, and it was, incre- it was, it was really really incredible the way I was scoring the ball. Right. You know, if you, look at, if you look at how I was scoring the ball, it was really easy. Okay. So you were, um, before we get to this famous uh, uh, Game 7 with the Lakers that brought you your uh, championship in the league, you, you must tell us a few stories about this special team. What, what, the Lakers team? Yeah. That was a great team. I mean, um, I got there, I was 10 years in the league, and, and I, I didn't know I was going to have the opportunity to win a title. So I was 10 years into the league, and all of a sudden you're playing with Kobe. I'm like, We definitely have a shot. <laughs> How it was to play with Kobe one year after you went at him through the playoffs? Like, you know, in 2009, you kicked you out with Houston. So it felt any different? Like Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was a great series. You know, Yamin breaks his foot in game three. You know, we take him to game seven. I mean, that was the toughest. I think that was the toughest series they had. And then they went on to beat the... Denver Nuggets fairly easy and then they went on to beat the they beat the um the, the Orlando magic even easier you know um so it, we, we I think we were the best second best team in that in that playoffs you know we were the second best team in that playoffs we took the Lakers to game seven and and I played very well you know um, that's it's been like that in my career always came up a little short you know uh, I played against a lot of teams in the playoffs that went on to win championships a lot the Detroit Pistons and The Nets went to the finals, the, uh, the Spurs, when I played against the Spurs. Um, so, you know, many, many different things like that. Um, even, even the Dallas Mavericks, when we played against them, they went to the finals and won. So I, I, I always think about that, if I could have been a little bit better. But the Laker team was incredible, and I think Bynum, you know, without Bynum, I think it would have been a little bit tougher to win the title. And I think Bynum probably should be, you know, considered a, a Laker great. I think he's like a really a Laker great. Uh, the, um, Andrew Bynum's career is one of the league's what-ifs because if he isn't injured and the uh, Sixers uh, get the, what they thought they bought, probably be uh, the whole league is different by now. Yeah. But, uh, uh, he, was, he was a really amazing center in a time that center like him was uh, still a thing. Yeah, he was, he was really incredible. Sometimes people forget to talk about him. I always bring him up, but I remember him just being dominant. Then he came back the next year. He had games where he would get 30 and 24, 
I felt like, you know, he was probably going to be a Hall of Famer. I thought his jersey probably would have been retired. He really was He really was an incredible player. And what happened? Do you think it's only a bad luck from the Jones or something bigger? Because he was amazing, then disappeared pretty much. It's hard to say because he was injured. I didn't know he was injured. You know, um, I knew he was a... I knew he was a very emotional player, but for me, that's easy to deal with. I'm not too worried about emotional players. Um, but, you know, and he, he had a different type of personality and character characteristics, but I felt like he was a good dude. I felt like he was a great player. And you look at those banners, those last two banners, I think his name is written all over those banners. Agree. Uh, you, you are considered um, a strong and a tough guy. Who are players during your time that she said, oh, no, that's going to be a tough assignment or that's an assignment I don't want or they can really throw at me? I, I, I mean, I was the predator. I was the apex predator So when I played. So it, it wasn't really anybody. It was people that I couldn't stop, right? Like LeBron was somebody that I couldn't really stop him. But it wasn't a thing where I wasn't looking forward to it. You know, I was always looking forward to it, but... He, And I tried my hardest. I really did try my hardest, and I just couldn't get him. And there's a few other people I couldn't get. Towards the end of my career, Kevin Durant became really difficult um, to guard. Towards the end of my career. Um, you know, then you got guys in and out, like Richard Hamilton. In, in the prime of my career, Richard Hamilton was hard to, to guard, you know, which says a lot. You know, he was in great shape. Um, I mean, it, it's things I could have done differently, I think. You know, like taking care of my body better. You know, my, my body did get tired. Even though I was able to push it, but my body did get tired early, you know, and different things. But I think Kobe, LeBron, Jordan, um, those guys stand out. I had a couple good battles against Wade. Wade was really good. Wade Wade was, like, hard to stop. I think I, I had fairly some success against Wade, but for the most part, he was really good. Who was your best uh, teammate on and off the court? during your career? You know, I, um, I got to say uh, probably like Brad, Elton Brand, obviously, Lamar Odom, obviously, because we played against with each other. Right. I thought me and Brad Miller had, had a fairly good relationship. Uh, Steven Jackson, uh, we have, still have a fairly good relationship. Um, but, you know, when I played, I was just all about practice. I wasn't, I wasn't really necessarily about making friends. Okay. So I didn't make friends. Um, I, I didn't make like a lot of you know friends when I played because my whole my whole thing was you know uh get ready for practice you know and when I, I'm kind of I'm a kind of obsessive person when it comes to trying to accomplish something so I was I couldn't wait to get back to practice to lock somebody up honestly <laughs> I was never thinking about being a friend mamba mentality <laughs> we call it here but maybe it's a world peace mentality test mentality yeah <laughs> so give us a really good locker room story from one of your stations in your career. A really good, funny locker room story. Yeah, I, I think well, one time uh, I said, Brad Miller used to hunt before practice. Really? And he bought a – yeah, he, he would hunt a lot. He would bring in uh, deer on the back of his truck. Um, <laughs> so one time he, um, he uh, uh, left a, a, a turkey in my baby's locker room. <laughs> my <laughs> – Turkey. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It's crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> You're like getting ready. If you would find a turkey in your locker room, what would you do? Yeah. 
Anyway, but Brad used to make some deer meat, and it was really good. Yeah? yeah sorry to all the vegans out there, um, but deer meat is pretty, pretty good. <laughs> um, okay, any more questions about um, Matt's uh, career? Moving on. Are we moving we on? Move on. Yeah. Okay, so the famous, um, one of the most famous scenes is after um, the Lakers won the championship game seven, you had an amazing game. If I, my recollection, you were the maybe your power, the MVP of that game specifically, and you run uh, in your first interview and you're thanking your uh, therapist. Um, as a person that goes through therapy himself and find it very helpful, won't you? And today the league talks a lot about uh, mental health and the uh, post by uh, Kevin Love and the Mother Rosen. Maybe you can share some light about your experiences with that. Yeah, the NBA is a really unique place. Uh, especially with a lot of people not prepared, for, you know, for, for what they receive, you know, and uh, so many different things happening. So we just always want to, I wanted to make sure I was coming out to let the players know you can be vulnerable. You can take care of yourself. It's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to seek help. You know, you, you don't have to mask it. You don't have to show that you're tough and, and you know, you're not vulnerable. And I thought it was important. And now you see more players coming out, more athletes coming out and just letting the people know, yo, you know, I'm going through stuff and it's okay. Like some people are not going to agree that some people might laugh at you, but that don't really matter. What matters is that like, you're empowering somebody else. And now you look at all the people that's not afraid to come out and say, I see that I see therapy, you know, since 2010, if you see what's happened since 2010 with the mental health, everybody's in mental health. Now corporate, everybody's doing mental health, you know, <laughs> companies, content, media, people don't even know what mental health is. They're just trying to figure out, <laughs> you know, they, they just, mental health, they don't even understand oh, no. it. <laughs> yeah. so it's, a, it's, a, it's a really good thing. It's a really good thing. So, but was the league open to that um, in your playing time? Um, Yes, the, the, league, the, the league has always been advanced. That's one thing I can say about the NBA. Um, The NBA has been, um, involved in mental health since 1999, since I got into the league. Because <laughs> um, I worked with the NBA, you know, so um, I did a lot of stuff with the NBA in terms of um, self-care, you know, and different things like that. But back then, it was a stigma attached. Right. So not only, you know, the, the player didn't want to go to the media, and the NBA, you know, they, they wasn't, and the teams, the Pacers, Chicago Bulls, Chicago Bulls were ahead of the game. But they, they also didn't want to um, say, hey, this player is seeking mental health help because maybe the player's not comfortable. Maybe the media gets a hold of it, right? So I, I wanted to make sure I was out there and being a little bit bigger than the media, you know, being bigger than the opinionator or the critic and just say, hey, yeah, we seek therapy and it's okay. And then some people, some you know, some of the old school media would laugh, but then now <laughs> the old school media not laughing now because they'll get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. You laugh so, about mental health on TV, you'll lose your job. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's the amazing thing in, in what you did. And I, that's what I really want to understand that what was the reaction from your um, players around you or, or after talking about it so openly? Was the good reaction? And how, how it was reaction, the like internally, like you're going to the locker room and you'll get like a quick one-on-one, -on -one, um, some one-on-one -on -one time with a player. And at the time, I would give a lot of players that like, come to me saying, yo, you know, good job. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Or, or great job, great messaging. I love what you're doing. 
Right. But I didn't really know what that meant. I was just doing it out the kindness of my heart. I was just doing it because something needed to change. I didn't realize it was going to have such a big impact. You know, I want, I wanted it to have a big impact, but I didn't think it was possible to have a big impact. You know, and so you can see that a lot of players was going through things, even players I played with, you know, they're going through stuff. And, and, and you see that in the locker room. And it's like, you know what? I don't really speak to a lot of these players like that because I'm old school Detroit Pistons type of type of guy. We don't speak to the other side, <laughs> but <laughs> it got to be some type of you got to draw a line. You know, some at some point in time, you got to say, OK, I want to try to help, you know, young, young players. Right. And even though I'm not talking to them because I don't like my <laughs> opponents, <laughs> maybe, maybe I could do something that could inspire people to you know, make sure you always taking care of yourself because. It looked like it looked good from the from a viewer's perspective, but sometimes internally, you know, you never know what a player is going through. Yeah. Um, you're doing a lot of uh, activism and a lot of activism uh, through the animal world. Why did you choose to act, be an activist on on that thing? Well, one of my goals was to get the Nobel Peace Prize. I wanted to get every single award available. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's a great goal. I got defense. You know, I got, an, I got a championship. I almost got MVP. I got a first-team all-defense. First-team, I got third-team all-NBA. You know, and, and I got a lot of awards. And I got, the, I got the J. Walter Kennedy Award, the Citizenship Award, which yeah. I wanted that award. And, and after the brawl, when the brawl happened, I was like, man, man, my MVP's gone. My, my, my Citizenship Award is gone. You know, so I was kind of, I was traumatized. I was like, man, I, I really put a damper on my career. But then when I won the championship, I kept fighting for that citizenship award. And then the next year, I got it, right? So now, you know, from that perspective, uh, social impact is like, it's almost like a game to me because um, it's a lot of work, man. You're talking about, I just got an award from President Biden the other day for my volunteer services, um, helping the nation. I forget the title. <laughs> it's an award. I, I saw it on uh, Twitter, TweetX or whatever it's called right now. I saw, I saw your... Uh, um black or whatever it is it was, that was i was like wow i didn't even know i was getting it and then i got i was doing an event and the deputy mayor of queens presented me this award and it wasn't directly from him but it's a step in the right direction so for me i'm always trying to do something big obviously there's a lot of other um, <clears throat> you know a lot of other donors out there billionaires that can just give tons of money can create endowments and stuff so i'm trying to compete you know, with the top of the top philanthropists around the country, around the world. Right. But I got to do it differently. So I feel like with the mental health messaging, I don't know what was bigger than that, because if you look since 2010 and you look at what's happening, even different countries that never would have talked about mental health and sports is talking about mental health and sports. And it's, it's kind of been led by America a little bit. But when you look at where it came from, that was at 2010 when I said, I want to thank my psychiatrist. And I feel like that's that's up there with a lot of people's uh, philanthropic efforts because it's helping people get better. Um, and, I, and I'm not saying that other people's initiatives is not good because I, I really support it. But what I'm saying is I really enjoy this. You see what I'm saying? This is like a game to me. And it's and, and, and I feel like it's, um, it's not a bad thing that I treat it like a game because it keeps me competitive and then it keeps me wanting to do more and more for people. You know, so I'm not done playing this game. I got my eyes set on a lot of things for philanthropy, and I want to go down as one of the best to ever do it. Cool. I want to talk about one uh, um, 
also you're doing a lot of uh, stuff in the music scene oh, you have your own production company uh, one of uh, um, one I can tell us about what's uh, what's going on there yeah for sure I, when I first started music um, it was a you know, hip-hop obviously from where you know from where Nas is from Mob Deep I always wanted to be like Nas always wanted to be like Mob Deep you know um, and then a lot of other rappers that's from our neighborhoods Queensbridge is a special place. Um, but as I was playing basketball and then I, when I made it, I wanted to get into the studio because now we had a little bit of money. We could get into the studio. But the problem with that is I'm such a perfectionist. I wasn't able to perfect <laughs> me. You know, I wasn't able to perfect it. But so I kept doing it because but I was but I got obsessed with it. Um, but nowadays I'm just doing it differently. I'm just kind of being a mentor to artists, you know, so for artists is. Sometimes artists be going through things, you know, so I can be there for the artist. Sometimes the artist might need connections, but maybe I can give the artist a connection. Um, we do have a production company now, but more music production. Um, my sons, Ron Artest III and then Jerron Artest. Um, Jerron Artest is an actual computer science developer, but he's also a music producer. So we're going to start. Um, if anybody wants beats, by the way, <laughs> please, because um, they're free right now. So we're just looking for really good artists that would like to sing and make music over our beats before we start to charge. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we, we are making music with my kids, and it's just really cool to be able to be kind of in the music business with the children. I think uh, probably the local uh, R&B scene could, have some, uh, could use some help. Oh, yeah, we got, you, we got some. <laughs> so, so come here and, uh, to the Holy Land and uh, give us some... Uh, some knowledge uh, who's who's your favorite hip-hop artist player like who's been if the players do you like the most his music um uh, i like iman shumper lou williams uh damien is probably the most well-rounded kind of artist damien lillard right um he does a lot well and then you have uh, but shaq is probably the top i think shaq is the best because Shaq got lyrics. Shaq is super entertaining. Shaq is really good. He's a really good artist. Um, so definitely Sha- Shaq was one of those guys where I was like, wow, you know, he's, he's, he's a really good artist. Are we going to see any other genres uh, from players doing music than hip hop or R&B? Are we going to see one day classical talent, you know, classical music? A good point, and I think that's why you want to give people creativity. Donnie Walsh is actually really cool. Donnie Walsh, he used to always tell me, do music, it's a great outlet. But I was doing music more because of things I've been through and when I, as a kid. But I wish I would have did it more for fun. Yeah. But it would be great to be able to get you know, athletes just being creative, right? And athletes playing music, playing guitar, playing the piano. I think it's a lot of talent. But we got to, you know, accept it. It's, it's kind of hard to accept because an athlete, you know, you, you look at them in a different light. <laughs> But I think you got some talent for sure. All right. Okay. Um, I want to play a little game with you. This game called Meta or Met Not. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. If you agree, you say Meta. If you do not agree, Met Not. Ready? All right. <laughs> I will... I will throw you some softball for the start, then it's going to get there a little bit difficult. Okay, great. <laughs> okay. Wearing flip-flops. Metal. <laughs> <laughs> 
wearing sneakers with a suit. Meta. <laughs> Peeing in the pool. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, your pool peer. Everybody. Everybody's a pool peer. I don't know. Everybody says not is a lie. You said playing pool, right? The swimming pool. Not playing. Peeing in the pool. <laughs> Just pool. Just like hanging out? Peeing. Pee. No, no, not like hanging kids. out. Oh, pee. Pee. Met not. Met not. Okay. Met not. You're not a pool peer. Okay. You're better. You're a better person <laughs> than me, Meta. Wait. I think I might have peed over times. <laughs> Everybody pee in the pool. Come on. Come on, Omera. Everybody pee in the pool. Okay. Um, wearing an Hawaii shirt. Hawaii shirt. Yeah. Oh, Meta, because you can play golf in Hawaii shirt. <laughs> nice. Uh, are you a golf player? Yeah. What you shoot? What's uh how good are you? I'm one fifteen right now, but I love it. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's the only thing that matters is that I like it. <laughs> yeah. For funsies. Yep. I'm getting back. Uh, okay. So let's make it tougher. Uh, rookie hazing. Rookie hazing meaning like playing with like like pulling pranks? Yes. Meta. <laughs> What's the best prank that's been pulled on you? Um, the, the, the best one I saw was, uh, the po- I like the popcorn ones when people fill up a rookie's car with popcorn. The whole car just filled up with popcorn. <laughs> that's all. so depressing. <laughs> yeah, I, also I like would be to, so uh, pissed off. Go out to dinner, you leave the whole bill with the rookie. That's always <laughs> it. I like <laughs> I'm taking like a few thousand dollars bottle of wine home. Yes. On the rookie's there. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking wine? Uh, met not. I like tequila. You like tequila? It's a killer guy. Uh, party until the um, until Sunday sunrise. Eh, <laughs> uh, Meta. <laughs> <laughs> How is it to party with Meta? It, it, What's party with Meta like? It's different now, you know. Cause I'm not like I'm not out like I used to be. I'm 43 years old now, and I'm trying to live a long time. But but before, yeah, it was like, you know, almost like a rock star. <laughs> what city has, now, what city has the, had the best parties? Uh, I would say, um, I would say, well, New York and Los Angeles, definitely. And Toronto, Toronto. Toronto's probably the best. <laughs> yeah, Toronto's probably the best. But in terms of NBA cities, Yeah, Toronto's up there for sure. Who's your, your favorite player to hang out with, like to go to a party with, or it was just uh, friends from your personal life? It was just friends. Yeah, I got so many friends. You know, Queensbridge Project is so big. You know, I got so many friends. I got so many. When I go home, I got so many friends that love me and so many friends I love. So it was always friends from back home. I, that's, right. why, that's why it was hard. friends in the NBA because I had so many friends <laughs> don't don't have a uh, space in your phone for any more contacts I know it's too many friends <laughs> I say it all the time <laughs> <laughs> if I'm entering your home what is the item that you point out first in order to impress me oh my I think you're most proud of the your best possession oh my all my all my um all my mental health awards I got so many mental health awards nice That's probably the first thing I would show you. I got so many awards. <laughs> so that's probably what I was. My favorite one probably actually, my favorite award is my Nike um 
MVP from the um, Pro City Classic in New York City is, is a summer is a summertime pro league. That's probably my favorite award out of all my awards. Nice. The, the Citizenship Award is pretty good too. Um, yeah, that's that's a pretty good one. The Defensive Player of the Year, I gotta find it. I don't know where that. Is. <laughs> <laughs> Who was a better player, Ron Artest or Melo Wolpis? Um, I think, I think, I, I think Ron Artest probably, I think at, tw- yeah, probably definitely Ron Artest version. I think when I was 24, I was really good. I think at 29, when I was with the Rockets, I was really good at the Rockets. It was just different. I wasn't as uh, athletic. But I was I, – I, I couldn't be stopped for the most part. Efficient. <laughs> um, and then I think um, after that, I was playing with the Lakers. So, I, did, I don't know. I, in my prime, I went to the Lakers. Right. So, I don't really know. I think I was really good in 2009, but obviously I was just a role player. Yeah, but I, th- I think I was really good. I just can't. I just don't – I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Who is the teammate? Uh, if you feel comfortable saying that that um like tells the worst jokes worst jokes worst jokes um maybe mike baby mike, mike is the funniest but probably <laughs> takes a little bit of time to get <laughs> <laughs> nice um okay and you we me and you are hanging out together And I'm looking, scrolling you through your phone. Which is the biggest celebrity I will find there? Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> uh, the biggest celebrity? I don't know everybody, but I know a few people. Um, probably Nas, wow. who I need to text. Wow, Nas is amazing. <laughs> um, he's, probably, he's probably the biggest. Um, then some politicians. A <laughs> few <laughs> <laughs> politicians. I can't really say anything. <laughs> Of <laughs> okay. Uh, have you have you been in Israel? Yeah. I've never been. I, I got to get there. Um, I was supposed to go a while ago with my friend. Obviously, I live in Los Angeles, so a lot of my friends always go back. Right. Well, because they're from there. I've never been, but I want, I want to go. I always, I've been getting invited to a couple places. I've been to the Middle East for the first time two years ago. For the first time, I got invited to go to Saudi. Um, they flew me out. Then I got invited to go to Dubai. It was crazy. It was really good being in the Middle East, so hopefully I can get out to Israel, so hopefully some people could uh invite me out. Let us know and yeah you've you've been, been... if you want uh, you've been invited by us, but uh, we're poor, so we cannot uh pick up the tab <laughs> but uh you know, <laughs> you're more than welcome here we'll do you the the grand tour, but uh then we're gonna latch on. I'm living in San Francisco, so we'll catch a flight together yeah. I'll come to LA. it's okay <laughs> happen let's let's figure out a way to make it happen for sure, yeah. All right. Absolutely. Stav, any more questions, something? No, I'm good. Well, I'll just... Meta, just you know, some, something you want to promote? I just want to say it's really good being on your show. Um, this is probably the first podcast I did in Israel, actually. Visual podcast. So I want to give a shout out to all my fans in Israel who have been hitting me up on Twitter and Instagram over the years and telling me that I got to get to the Holy Land and get to Israel. So I want to say uh, hopefully I'll see y'all soon live in the flesh in person. I don't know when that's going to be, but hopefully within the next year, I'll be out there and we'll be able to, you know, just have a good time. That's great. Something you want to promote before you leave? Well, yeah, I want to say also, uh, we just started our test management group. 
artestmanagementgroup.com. I'm finally starting my firm agency. So it's, it took me about 10 years to get off the ground. But that's one thing I'm really most proud of, my firm, and helping new founders, um, helping founders, uh, you know, launch their companies. Uh, and I think I have a company in Israel, too. I think I have one company in Israel, actually, one of my founders. But um, that's probably what I'm most excited about right now. Amazing. Um, okay, so, uh, Meta, thank you very much for your gracious time, being a good sport, um, not giving us the <laughs> comment, and sharing, sharing a few laughs and stories. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, just, um, okay, Anahu Karab. I would appreciate if you don't mind. Uh, you don't have to do it. Just I'm um, using the famous Israeli chutzpah um, to ask you a small uh, ask. Can you please like um, say something, a sentence, a word that uh, encourage people to listen to the Sweet Podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, great, yeah. So the stage is yours. Oh, absolutely, okay. Yeah, everybody, I just want to say it's Meta World Peace here. I think you should listen to the Sweet Podcast very, very uh, insightful and fun uh, and creative uh, people actually to ask them questions and having a good time talking about sports. And it almost feels like it's more than sports. So definitely listen to the Sweet Podcast. Hopefully I'll be back on the Sweet Podcast. And thanks a lot. Thank you so Thank you much. Thank you very much, Meta. And we would love to, we'll have to hit you up back. You can be our correspondent. Uh, we can do like something uh, when the season starts, if you have, are available. Absolutely, absolutely. Let, let me know. Uh, we should connect soon. And, and you know Stacy, so Stacy's my yeah. partner. So, Yeah, yeah. So I'll connect with Stacy and we'll set it up. Yeah. She's going to interview with us next week. Oh, please. Thank you. Thank you. She's awesome. She, she, she's actually um, one of my portfolio companies, her agency. Nice. So we're cool. going to help her out a lot. And, um, yeah, but she, she, she's an incredible lady. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to hanging out again and following up with you guys. Great one. Thank you. Great medal. Thank Amazing. you very much. All right, thank guys. you. זה היה השחקן ההגנה של העונה לשעבר וחתן פרס נובל לשלום לעתיד מסתבר, מטה וורד פיס. וואו, כאילו נהניתי ממש, באמת תודה לשניכם, בעיקר לסתיו שאירגן את זה ומנסה לשדך אותה סוכנת שלי, בין היתר. כאילו, אפשר כאילו... אפשר כאילו לסכם בזה שאנחנו, שהוא בייסקלי נתן את ההסכמה להיות פרשן ה-NBA הקדוש שלנו, לא? כן, 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 אתה יודע, כאילו, זה או פרקים של שלושתנו, או שלושתנו ודביר, או שלושתנו ורונטסט, כאילו, זה הרוטציה. בדיוק, הוא חלק מהרוטציה, והוא כבר התחייב לפרק פתיחת עונה. אני מבין שאתם מקשקשים, אבל אני עוד בסטרס לראות שהכל עולה ושהכל עובד, אז כאילו מלחיץ את כל הדאבלינג. הפספוס הכי גדול בזה שאנחנו פודקאסט, שאין... וידאו של הפרצוף של סתיו, שהתחלנו להחליט טיבה מרדבק, והרקורד לא פעל. לשמחתנו. שני אנשים, אני ואבו מרדבק, אנחנו זוכרים אותה. לשמחתנו ולשמחת המאזינים, הפעם המפיק הגיע לפרק. ולכרוץ על רקורד, כאילו בגלל זה, או הנה הוא גם, טוב, גם בזה רואים אותו יותר נורמלי, בווידאו, בלייב ראו אותו קצת חצי כוח, אבל עכשיו רואים אותו טוב. כן, האיכות תמיד עולה. אני רואה כסגר הכי גדול שלי ברעיון זה העובדה שרק פעם אחת נפלט לי רון וגם ככה דרסתם לי את זה אז אף אחד לא יסביר לי. ההישג הכי גדול היה בעיקר זה לדבר איתו על השתנות בבריכה שזה משהו שלא חשבתי שיצא לי לעשות עם שחקן ש... זה לא השתנות בבריכה כמו זה שסתיו אמר ואני אמרתי בערך עשר פעמים פינג אין דה פול 
פארטינג, פיינג אין דה פול, ווקינג אין דה פול, פיינג אין דה פול, איטינג אין הרסטורנט, נו, פיינג אין דה פול, זה כזה מסנן את סנסור. אני חייב לשתף את הקהל בהתלבטות הפנימית שלי. אלי, או לדבר איתו על השתנה בבריכה, או על סגירה אלכסונית באזורית 2-3. בחרתי בלשתנה בבריכה. סגירה אלכסונית באזורית 2-3 זה לפודים אחרים. הוא היה ממש מגניב. הוא אמר שיש לנו... עשיתי גוגל תוך כדי הפוד, ובשנה שהוא אמר בה שלא היה לו מספיק כסף בשביל סירקט סיטי, הוא הרוויח רק מכדורסל, 1.1 מיליון דולר. ממש יקר שם. אבל אתה יודע, הוא גם סיפר לנו ש... אתה יודע, הוא הולך למסעדה עם החברים, והם משאירים אותו עם החשבון, וכל אחד לוקח בקבוק של אלף דולר, אז אתה יודע, אולי רק הדבר הזה חיסל אותו. כן, שיקרו בולס של סוף הנאנטיז אחרי ג'ורדן הייתה קבוצה רעה ממש, אני יכול להבין למה הוא חיפש תחביבים אחרים. אמר, לא בטוח שזה יעבור. הוא הבטיח לנו חצי שעה, הוא נתן לנו כמעט 40 דקות, ופלוס הבלבולי מוח שלנו לפני ואחרי זה אפילו יצא יותר, הוא לא התחמק משום שאלה, שחרר סיפור על טרנגול הודו בארונית של מייק ביבי, כאילו אני לא חושב שאפשר להגיד, כן, כן, אני מרוצה, זה בדיחות רעות. יפה מאוד, יפה מאוד. חברים, תודה רבה שהאזנתם לנו, נתראה בעוד פרקים מדהימים של The Sweep בהמשך, אנחנו מתקרבים עוד צעד לקראת העונה, נכון יש עוד קצת זמן, אבל אולי נצליח להביא עוד כמה הפתעות מבית היוצר של The Sweep, הראשון לראיין את רון ארטסט, הפודקאסט הישראלי הראשון שמראיין את רון ארטסט, מטה וולד פיס, כבוד, כל הכבוד. אני כבר כותב לסוכנת שלו שהבטיח לנו להיות פרשן בפרקים. החוצפה, החוצפה הישראלית. חוצפה ישראל. יופי, תודה רבה לכולכם שהאזנתם, מוזמנים להיות מופתעים ולכתוב תגובות ושאלות, ואנחנו נשמח להפתיע בהמשך. ביי. יאללה ביי.